whenever we think about developing software, you are trying to see what is the impact of what we are delivering. And we need to be able to track that in a more or less automated way. I would also highlight that we need to have some time for ourselves, for human thinking, and to also take advantage of the experimentation. So, for example, we have X-ray exploratory app. It won't replace you as a human for exploring the system, but it's there to help you out so you don't lose your focus while you are exploring the system. The tool is not there to really replace you. It's like there to augment your own capabilities. Hello and welcome to DevOpsauna. The DevOps conference is coming again on March 8th and 9th, and you are invited to join our event. To build the excitement to the DevOps event of the year, we have invited some exciting people to join our podcast and share a bit of backstory to the themes we will be covering. Today, we have Sofia Neto, Head of Ecosystem Experience, and Sergio Freire, Head of Solution Architecture and Testing Advocacy, both from X-Ray. From Efficode, Szilard Sell, a DevOps consultant, joins our conversation. We talk about how culture builds quality, why is it hard to build high-performing teams, and what characteristics should the teams be looking for in their tools. Let's tune in. So we are here with uh, Sofia, uh, Sergio and uh, Silad. Welcome everybody to the DevOps Sauna podcast. Hello. Hello, Lapa. Hello, Lapa. Nice to have you here. We have an interesting conversation ahead of us. I was looking into the questions and I was trying to have some statistics, have some insights that can be shared across all of us. And uh, I looked up Puppet 2021 State of DevOps Report. The whole big theme about the State of DevOps Report from Puppet was that many companies have become better. So and over the last three years or so, the amount of companies who are very high state of DevOps evolution have has almost doubled. But still, almost 8 in 10 companies are still what's called stuck in the middle. And my question to you is, when we talk about DevOps, what do you think is the biggest challenge that the organization face? And what could be the reasons behind this inability to develop organizations? Well, first of all, I think that we have to think a little bit about uh, what DevOps means. I think there is a lot of confusion uh, still in the industry about DevOps. You see often, for example, people that call themselves uh, DevOps engineers or they create DevOps teams. That's a lot of confusion. And I think that's one one of the problems right now. And there's a challenge for the companies and the organizations to understand uh, what means DevOps. If you don't understand uh, what it means and how it impacts the organization, you're likely to, to fail towards the, the goals that you, you want to, to achieve. I think that everyone wants to increase uh, the deployment frequency, wants to decrease the lead time for changes, wants to de- decrease the time that it's needed to restore a system uh, when it, when it's needed, and also wants to decrease the change fail rate. There's not a clear understanding how you what what it means to do this or how can you achieve this? What I think it's the biggest challenge right now, it's the mindset, because really tools are there, are available, 
And uh, what really needs to change, it's the culture and the way people work. And um, it's more more about practices and uh, the way you work and behave. That's the real change that needs, needs to happen because there's some kind of uh, practices that you need to embrace that uh, most of the companies are not aware of that. And they need to do this kind of uh, understanding and this kind of thinking and uh, uh, knowing that DevOps, it's about culture. It's not a, a job title or not a, a team. It's about culture. And you need to understand what needs to change on in your culture in order to succeed. I was looking into some of the numbers there and there were, there were maybe two numbers that stood out for me. One was 21% saying that culture discourages risk. And then the other one was 18% report that the fast flow optimization is not a priority. Any thoughts around that, Szilard? Yes, I think that discouraging risk and the culture of actually not to take risk is very much in line with what Sophia mentioned about the culture and the behavior. Because many of the companies had for years processes in place to reduce risk, right? And then to avoid risk. And that was the most important, that we never fail, right? First time right behavior was so much in there and punishment for failure was so much in there that actually I would say very hard to change that culture and to change that to change the way how people think about failure and how they think about taking a risk needs to come from management and high-level leadership support. And this needs a different leadership style as well, right? We say we celebrate failure until we can learn from it, right? We see failure as a learning opportunity and improvement opportunity getting better. But if the base culture of the organization is about not to have risk, to avoid them for any cost, then it's really hard to break. Now, the other thing is the flow. And I think the flow similar because if you have a fast flow, that means you have a lot of changes, right? And that's exactly what we want with DevOps to introduce more frequent changes from development into operations and bringing value to our client and end users. But that means change and change is a risk. So I would say this comes back to the, to the risk taking part as well. If you are not stepping away from that, then we will build big administrative manual loop, not sorry, um, decision points, right? In the process, making sure everything is low risk. And with that, we will be create giant batches. And the big batch is actually against the flow. So I would say that these two have the same root in the, the, the risk avoidance culture and the behavior. I was remembered from my past life because I actually have several lives, you know, only in my past. And one of them was on the telco area. And I remember that we had that those big releases that would only happen like uh, twice per year or once per year. And we did lo lots of um, checks before being able to to make the release. And we would schedule the release for for the weekend. Not on Fridays. Fridays, it was not possible at all. It was like a non-existing day. And, well, deployments would happen on Saturdays. And the customer, well, the telco, uh, actually, we we were a research and R&D company 
and we have telcos as customers and the telcos would ask us well do you think are you sure that you this will all go fine because this cannot fail and that mindset of uh, trying to avoid the risk at, uh, at all costs it i would say it leads nowhere because in the end we are going to have problems but uh, my question is, how are we are going to learn with them? Do we have the, the toolings and the practices in place to easily recover from those problems? And in another project that I worked for, it was a job board in another life, of course. It was a job board and actually we're migrating from um, a PaaS solution, platform as a service solution, into our own developed platform. And the migration was like from place A to place B. And you couldn't move the other way around. And I remember it very well because it happened in around Christmas. So imagine how my Christmas was back then. But we had to make sure that we have the we have the mechanisms to deal with failure. And for that, we need to have, let's say, several things such as monitoring in place. We have to define, let's say, what are the minimums for for the service to be considered okay. And okay, how can we deal with other pro- problems later on after we sleep for some hours? Because for sure, we won't get everything right in this migration process at first uh, during the first phase. So dealing with risk, I would say, is very very important, and uh, we we need to find ways for us to be able to be agile enough to uh, push the changes and the fixes and uh, then have the necessary means to have a working product. And, well, eventually, the product will always have problems. We know that testing is not something that assures that you got a problem without any bugs whatsoever. There will always be problems, but in the end, we need to deal with risk. So we need to figure out what's valuable ensure that what is valuable gets working best and we can if it doesn't work best we need to to have some thoughts and some tools in order to figure out workarounds to deal with that i very much agree with sergio on this like in the whole this quality assurance where where i'm rooted from we are trying to reduce the probability of delivering a fault to production right reduce the probability but then the other aspects of DevOps, when we are able to reduce mean time to recovery and be able to come together and solve the problem quickly, those are all about reducing the impact of a fault, of a failure in, in production, right? So these DevOps are actually providing terms for both of these aspects of a risk. And you need to be good on both of the areas that you overly reduce the risk. So actually... It's strange. You need to reduce the risks so your culture can live with now the reduced risks, right? And then go on for the more frequent changes and the more frequent flow. So really, this is a journey and comes hand to hand. Yeah, you said that the changes need to be small so, and they need to be like basically turning around very, very quickly. So you improve quickly and make make small changes in a fast pace. And I remember there was one programming language, I think it was Rust, and it had a very, very strange syntax 
in one specific part of the way how the programming language was written. And I, I asked, like, why on earth is that syntax so strange? And the answer was that when you make changes to the code, if you have to add a line on the code, you will not have to touch the other lines. So when you look at what has changed, then the syntax allows you to only have those lines highlighted that actually has changed. So the the coding language was helping a developer to identify where exactly that change is. So if something is wrong, then it's easier to spot. And then again, it basically improves your, your cycle time. I suppose coding language isn't the first thing where organizations start when they think about addressing the culture. So maybe there's something else. But when we look at adopting a DevOps culture, then what should be the first concern? Any thoughts about that? Uh, well, so the first thing I think, I think it's, it's a, it seems to be the easiest one, but it's often forgotten. So I think the first one, a, a company must be concerned on making the work visible and uh, understanding exactly the flow. Because only when you achieve the understanding of all your system, when it starts, when it ends, when it stops, whatever it happens, uh, only when you have that kind of visibility, you are able to build around that. So and making the work visible is also super important in terms of creating a trust. And uh, if you are willing to fail, if, and if you are willing to take risks, you need to trust uh, your system. That's something that it's easily forgotten. And uh, I've worked with some companies trying to adopt DevOps, and uh, they forgot about this. So this is something that... Um, I think that if a company hasn't developed a good system to make the work visible, and it can be like a physical board, it can be a Trello, it can be Jira, whatever. What really uh, is important is that everyone knows exactly how the system works, how the work flows through the organization. And um, that's one of the things I think that it must be the, the first uh, concern because if you are willing to take these risks, you need to trust your system. So you need to understand how it works and uh, how you can recover. And uh, I think that's the first step. Make work visible, right? Interesting you say that. I remember when uh, we were looking into some of the projects in 2005 that we should undertake to make work mobile. We had a R&D unit in Tokyo and they were using this kind of physical Kanban board. And uh, basically, they were telling us that this is what you need to bring mobile. It used to be physical then, and uh, now it is digital. But that was their way of making work visible. I very much see that what you say. So um, I'm very much keen on lean and lean management and even visited a couple of factories uh, working with just-in-time and Toyota production system. And they still now, like big, 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 big factories, car manufacturing factories using the paper on the wall. The best visualization and, you know, the most flexible and they don't play around with Jira. They have all the tickets on the wall. They have the elements on the wall. And what I really love, like, was it a, a plastic molding company producing bricks, <laughs> brick toys? You might imagine which one I'm talking about. 
but they put always every day the failed pieces on the machine so everyone could see how does it look today when we have a bug when we have a fa- you know something failed it was so you could go there and touch it and see it exactly why this piece is wrong and it was on display you understood why it is wrong and honestly this is what i'm sometimes like missing when we deal with jira or we deal with you know like trello or anything else like the, the feel of i go there i touch it i see it and we communicate but yeah, now with the remote work, of course, we need to have all the digitalized boards and everything like that. But I agree, make things visual and, of course, make make work transparent and visible. I think this leads us back to the like the first question where many, many, many companies still struggle to figure out what DevOps means. I, I remember what when I started uh, researching about, about it. And because we think it's something like physical and it's not really something physical. But to also answer and taking my the, the answers from Sophia and Ziller, I think that visibility is one of the key aspects indeed. I see teams nowadays using all sorts of tools, uh, even uh, not just Jira, Trellos. They, they use visual tools sometimes even mirror boards if that can facilitate but i think there's there's still some space in that area for having something more more fully integrated with what is happening uh, in production so i think the having having a board is really important because whenever we don't have some way to visualize it what happens and i remember what happened in the past in some of my teams is that we have we have to ask what is happening were you able to do that what's the, the status of that and it's it's a lot of time lost in questions when you could see exactly if you have let's say the proper tool you could see exactly the status of it and having let's say an open channel for conversation because I, I remember, I, I'm laughing because I remember that there are still many companies that struggle having, let's say, a real collaboration platform. You need to have a real collaboration platform where people are free and open to speak because if they have like an open relation, an open relation, I mean, if they are if they are open to speak and they are not afraid of speaking, that can be like uh, the the first thing in order to solve, let's say, some uh, some ongoing issue or some ongoing problem. And sometimes people are afraid. Sometimes they don't have the tools in order to establish a proper collaboration. So I would also work out on the more soft skills, on the team skills that would foster collaboration. And maybe coming back on this one, I very much like what you said, Sergio, and my, you know, big thing always blinking, like how to adopt DevOps culture, and we need psychological safety, right? So people need to be able to speak up. Thanks for the word. I was missing it. (laughs) They Yes, they need to collaborate. But for collaboration, that means that you need to be able to ask the stupid questions without punishment, being able to, you know, fail again like make mistakes and learn from it being tolerated for that but also sharing information uh, knowing that if you share what you know you won't become less important 
right? Unfortunately, I see, and I'm working on large scale that was transformation. I see that many times people do not want to share their knowledge because they are afraid they would be irrelevant later on. And I very much believe that there is a need for the leadership. It's a different leadership style what is needed. And it's not like after one day training, you just change the leadership style. And with that, you change the team's style, right? So it's a very long and hard process and a very soft skill-based journey. One more thing to add there is the common vision. DevOps and the journey towards DevOps is a giant change. For big companies specifically, is a big change. Why do we do the change? What is that we want to achieve with this change? What is it for me? What is it for every layer of the organization? And what I can do for it? So sometimes we say like, Oh, yeah, we want, uh, you know, frequent, more frequent delivery. And then whenever you talk with, they say, no, we don't want more frequent delivery. <laughs> so make sure you have a goal and you communicate the goal more frequently and you stick to that. And every decision, every communication, every direction is supporting that goal. If I may interrupt, is that, is it, you're saying one, one aspect that... Uh, I would say that makes completely sense because I've seen this in the past whenever trying to make uh, working with a team to making a bit more agile because they were like in really, really, really waterfall world. And for the manager uh, back then, the manager didn't, didn't really see like a major benefit of doing, let's say, the agile kind of transformation because, well, he knew that a release would need to happen on day 10. So he wouldn't care what would take for people to get the release out because the release would need to come on day 10. Uh, so in the end, we have to understand what are how the team works, what are, the, let's say, the blockers, which in from my perspective, most of the times they are not really technical blockers because technical blockers we can easily, more or less easily overcome them. Most of the times they are, we have more like management blockers, but we, are, we need to fill out the pains at different levels. And probably we'll talk uh, more a bit about that later on. But in order for us to be to, uh, able to provide value and to sell, let's say, the, the, the DevOps or the agile transformation, we need to understand what are the, the things that matters to all these stakeholders involved in the software delivery in the, or in the value delivery chain. And that requires a bit of kind of conversation before we actually start doing some stuff with the, with the, with the team. It strikes me that there, there are still organizations or, or individuals who think knowledge is power. And especially when combined this, let's say, lack of shared vision or lack of communication of sharing the vision, I would imagine that if you combine them, it's, it's quite impossible to do the best job. It's quite impossible to serve your customers the best possible way. How can you reach a high quality execution of work if you are holding back the best possible implementation or the best possible practices? Or it sounds to me that something more is important than, than doing the right thing. So when we talk about the quality or in other words doing the best job where does that fall in this this devops picture 
Well, I, I, I really uh, um, enjoyed uh, hearing you uh, talking about the safety that needs to be uh, in place for us to have a real DevOps culture. Because only when you have this kind of trust, uh, and this is the most important thing, I, I, I think, is that you need to trust your team, you need to trust your system, and you need to trust that if you are going to fail, you are not being punished by that. So this this kind of um, safety is super important. And I think it's really what relates to quality because really, if you are able to, to, to trust your system, you are going to, to build quality and you're going to be, you're going to go faster. So you're going to improve the collaboration because you are, you know that you can share the information with others. You know that you can, uh, fail. And, um, this is something that it really impacts the, the quality of your service or the way you serve your, your customers because you are all together creating the best uh, possible uh, solution. And I think that testers have a, a great role here because they are really uh, helping uh, the, the, the organization to increase the trust because they are testing, they are experimenting, they are trying to learn more about the system and making sure that it, it delivers value to the customer. And uh, when you combine this vision, I think that you are really building a, a true DevOps culture because you are uh, learning from the failures and testers can help you with that. So uh, you are taking these testing activities and learning about the system and experimenting and making sure that the value that you want to deliver is actual uh, delivery. And also here, there's something that uh, sometimes in the DevOps culture, there's the questions about what's the, the role of the tester, because do we need uh, testers themselves, because we need to build quality in or not? Of course, we need them because they are super important to coach the team about quality. They are super important about uh, helping the team to learn more about the system. And um, I think that's a, a question that I would like to hear, or uh, Aisha, that I'd like to hear the, the, your opinion about that. And uh, Ziller, I think that you have something to say, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry, I'm very much eager. And, and I, I'm a tester by heart, uh, 21 years in, in the testing area and quality assurance. But I would be very careful to mix, to talk about testers when we talk about quality, right? It's not equal. It's not the same. Quality is done. How quality is done? First of all, we build quality. Then we try to capture missing quality. And then if we delivered missing quality, then we try to solve it, right? So it's like all that needs to be in place. And for me, in DevOps, the quality assurance is not only testing, absolutely not. If we can avoid a mistake, a misunderstanding by having, for example, behavior-driven development applied, having better understanding of what do we build for the end user. But I would even go to the left more, applying design thinking and going into service design more to understand what the clients want, what the end user wants, and even they don't know what they want, analyzing them until we know better. <laughs> how we can serve them better. And that understanding upfront is more important 
than capturing usability issues or, or flows in the service uh, flow later on. So I believe that quality is extremely important to, to make sure that everybody is there. You know, everybody's responsible for quality. When we just say that, that's kind of a buzzword. I mean, how? But when we give the visibility, we give the tools, we give the techniques as well, and the processes and the, the, the communication and everything, you know, to have that, to build the quality, to realize when quality is missing, that's very important. And on the other hand, I totally agree, testers can help a lot to, to get feedback, right? The second way of DevOps to amplify feedback, if you look into that one, of course, testers can, can have a lot of support there. And I very much say that when a, when a tester is asking on a, on a requirement identification workshop or anyway, like, and what if not? That's my favorite question. And what if not? You know, this is what we want. This is how it should work. And what if not? So coming back there and, and you know, the tester just asking that question in a place where in a voter for organization, they might not even be able to show up. I think that's extremely important. So let's talk about quality assistance as a, as a new term in DevOps. And let's make sure that everybody is, you know, assisting each other on, on having a good quality. But yes, of course, testers are important. We are testers. So <laughs> it sounds to me that what needs to be done is very clear. But why is it then so difficult to get the team together to do it? Maybe just one thinking on this one. So what I realized in during the transformations, what is extremely hard is, you know, we are stuck in the current state and we are hard working hard, the organization is working hard to deliver all the promises that have been made. At the same time, we try to renew ourselves. So for example, we bring in new behaviors that, okay, so testers, let's you go and talk to, with product managers and product owners and be, you know, available upfront. But at the same time, you should do your job, which is now actually doing whatever automating tests or exploratory testing, bug hunting, whatever you do. So for the change, somehow you need to have the time to do the change, right? And, and you need to be able to apply these new approaches, learn them, apply them, fail in them, relearn, improve and, and go on. And I think that somehow I see that is very hard. So serving the legacy as well as working on the future. And probably this is where many of the organizations stuck. That's my view. Well, I, I guess for this, we can uh, all remember one uh, famous quote from Einstein, that it's uh, easier to change an atom than to change prejudice. And I think it's exactly what you were saying, Susan, because you were, you work in a certain way and, uh, you don't have time to just stop and, uh, start behaving in the, in the different, in the, in the way that you want. And that's something, that's something that it's really hard to do us as human beings. And for example, I can, I can share with you a personal, uh, example. I wanted to start doing more exercise but I was not able to do it, okay? And I really want it. I really, I truly wanted to do more exercise. So what I did was I started to go to the office uh, by bike, 
Okay, so I uh, implemented uh, a different behavior in my daily routine. And uh, this is an example. Of course, it's not about DevOps, but it's really, it's really uh, hard to change your behavior and uh, go after what, what you want. And um, maybe by start doing some small changes, for example, if you, uh, instead of not sharing the information, uh, using a confluence page or using uh, whatever tool that you want, but instead of not sharing that, pu putting that information available to everyone, uh, or this, this kind of small changes can really have an impact and uh, really change the, the culture in, in, in the end. If I may just add small bits uh, on this. So uh, I was hearing what you you both said, and I, I was remembering the, this bias, the loss aversion bias, because we all really, uh, even if we see some gains, we don't really don't like to let things go away. So what happens in, in some teams is, is that they sometimes they build out their modules, their their stuff, the way that they work, the way the way that they communicate, and sometimes it's really hard to change that because people don't really like to lose things, lose what, especially if they built out something. And once again, this leads us to the mindset: we need to be open to try out things and to let things go away, which is really hard. It's not easy to do. It's Larry again. Building quality right into your software development is a necessity. To learn how it works and how to get there, we've recently released a new continuous quality assurance guide that will give you the foundational understanding around the area. Whether you work in management, development or elsewhere, this guide talks to you about test automation, test design, test metrics, test environments, test data and the future of continuous quality assurance. You can find the link to the guide in the show notes. Now, let's get back to our show. Once in a while, we we have related to, let's say, Trello or Jira and things like that. But what I am not hearing you to talk is overall the importance of tools. Talk me through this tools aspect of cultural change and tools aspect of, of building high-performing teams? Like, where would you start and what kind of behavior would you like those tools to drive? Oh, well, so first, when you think about tools, I think you have to be in mind that the fact that you are wearing Cristiano Ronaldo uh, soccer at, uh, uh, shoes you're not going to be as good as he, he is, okay? So that's the first thing that you must think when you select a tool because I've worked many years as helping other uh, organizations implementing tools and uh, most of them were thinking that, okay, I'm going to buy this tool and the next day I'm going to be agile or I'm going to be DevOps or whatever. And that's the first thing that you need to think when you think about tools, but of course tools help. Okay. So it's really hard to write a book without a pen 
or without <laughs> paper, okay? So that's hard. So you really need to have some tools. And uh, I think the tools need to, to, to be flexible enough for you to work in the way that works for you because uh, you cannot be constrained by a tool. So, uh, for example, when we talk about collaboration, it's really important to have a tool that enables you to collaborate with everyone in a flexible way, not in the way that everyone works. When you talk about uh, testing, it's very important that the tool that you use to, to manage your tests give you the, f the visibility that you need to share the information across the team with developers, with testers, whatever. Uh, uh, so that's really, really also important. And if, for example, if you want to experiment or you want to have some ways to, for example, do some exploratory testing, you need a tool that helps you with that. And uh, I believe that here, Sergio, can uh, help uh, more than, than I uh, about this, but um, I leave you to your, uh, your opinions and say what you think about this. So, yeah. I was thinking about we are tools more on the testing side, and I think that if tools, as you said, if you if we get a tool and you put there and just in place and hope that it will solve our problems, it, it, that won't happen. But of course, if you have tools that uh, or ways of getting visibility of the test automation or that can help us implement test automation, that can help us be more efficient, that can help us then not just see the results, but also track the impacts. Because whenever we think about developing software in the century, you are trying to see what is the impact of what we are delivering. And that those impacts may uh, may be related to some stories, to some epics, to some themes, and we need to be able to track that in a more or less automated way. So tools, if, uh, for example, X-ray, for example, can 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 help you a bit on that. And I would also highlight that we need to have some time for ourselves, for human thinking, and to also take advantage of the experimentation. So, for example, we have X-ray exploratory app. Well, it won't replace you as a human for exploring the system, but it's there to help you out, to assist you while you are there, because it can help you out on taking notes and uh, on making the report and taking screenshots, recording videos, taking evidence, so you don't lose your focus while you are exploring the system. And... The tool is not there to really, really replace you. It's it's like there to leverage your or and to augment your own capabilities. So whenever we think about uh, DevOps, we need to think of own tools that can augment our capabilities, not really replace our own capabilities. It's about augmenting. Yeah, I very much agree on this this area and. When, you know, I think myself like, okay, what are the best tools? Like, of course, you cannot name one. Not like people say, oh, of course we are DevOps. We use Jira. <laughs> Not really, right? But tools that are actually supporting you to be effective, support the flow, and support transparency, and doing all this in an efficient way. Those are the best tools, <laughs> Right. So really those that serve you in, as, as Sergio, you said, serving the person, serving the team, serving the teams to be high performing 
And even it might be an older tool, if it's fit for their purpose, why not to go with that? Maybe the new tool is so complicated that on short term, it's not the best way to go for, right? Or maybe the tool is a piece of paper on the wall, because that's the simplest to use and gives you transparency enough. So it's really hard to say. And, and of course, transformation doesn't start by integrating a new tool. But, but on the other hand, you need to. You need to select your tools best and you need to understand from what you can select and what are the possibilities and, and uh, yeah, areas to, to, to choose from. On exploratory testing, just the, the comment which like nowadays, the, instead of exploratory testing, we even more talk about in-person testing to highlight the fact that it's done by the human uh, because that's the human aspect is the more, most important in, in exploratory testing. When you explore how the system behaves, it's really test design on the fly, learning about the system on the fly, deciding what is the next step, next test you run on the fly based on the learning and knowledge that you gathered. And yes, it's really in person. And I, I like that because, again, it doesn't matter what tool is there, but as Sergio, you said, it needs to augment the person to to be more efficient. There is this tool conversation, which is basically what is the best tool for a purpose. But then you could also say there is this meta tool conversation, which is what would you be looking from a tool? There's, Silard, um, you said effectiveness, flow, transparency, support, efficient way of working, something like that. If you were to look at tools in a meta level and ask, okay, what are the characteristics of the tool that you would be looking at? Is there a way to say, okay, I'm not going to give you a recommendation of a tool, but I'm going to give you a recommendation of the characteristics that you should be looking for in the tool? I think I'm not the technology guy, but what we are always looking for is how well you can integrate that, right, to your current ecosystem? How many open APIs, like how well uh, standardized APIs uh, is it using? How easy it is to learn it? We discussed about eff efficiency. And maybe how easy it is to replace it, to change it later on. Are you going to marry with that too for the rest of your life? Or is it just helping you now and, you know, got, uh, improving your knowledge, but then you can step away? So I would say these are the, the meta level characteristics that you need to think about. And then anything in that one is, is probably the best for you. I would say that we, we want something light, but with taste. I mean, no 787 kind of tools. Uh, we need tools that we can easily try out or even replace or evolve whenever needed. Uh, we need tools that are not a burden, that are light enough, but still that can provide us real value. So I think it's about um, flexibility, freedom, because we don't know the things we're going to need tomorrow. So we need tools that are flexible enough. It's about uh, also enabling CLI tools, uh, where uh, as much as possible to have uh, CLI tools, I would say and it's a win because devs and ops really love CLI tools. Why? Because they are easy to call. They are easy to integrate with. They are also is uh, they also facilitate uh, automation. Uh, integration, 
and visibility are crucial. We know that teams nowadays need to go up to several places, I think around like five places, according to a, an Atlassian study, to understand the status of their projects. And this can really become overwhelming if your tool chain grows uh, dramatically. So we need to have different levels of visibility and tools that can uh, facilitate on that. And we need to think wisely on tools. We need to understand our challenges and search for tools that will help us overcome those challenges. We don't get a tool just because, because just because someone says us to uh, get a tool or else we'll lose agility. Yeah, somebody has said that it's a good sign of a tool when it's been misused. Like somebody takes the tools and applies it to the purpose it wasn't originally used. And and two, two tools immediately comes to my mind. When you go to a family um, with a lot of family members and you open their drawer where they keep their forks and knives and spoons, sometimes you see that, for instance, the, the knives are like twisted at the end. And the reason is that it's the most accessible screwdriver you can find in a household. So you always go to your kitchen and look at, okay, which of these table knives go in as the best possible replacement for the screwdriver I don't have available right at this point. And then if you run out of spoons, all you have to go is walk to the sandbox in the backyard and start shoveling sand because... That's what the kids have done. They have gone to your kitchen and they have taken one of your silverware and go uh, go back to the sandbox to have some playtime. The the other perspective, and Sergio, you mentioned that magic word, and that is the automation. Because when you take automation far enough, then these tools cease to be. You don't see them anymore. It's almost like a great technology that you don't see it exists. All you see is the user experience or the customer experience. The technology becomes completely invisible. And I think automation does some of that for the tools as well. So what's your take on this aspect on on automation? Well, some some may think that automation is like a silver bullet for every problem that, that we have. But... I don't think that happens, uh, but the automa- automation really can help us by helping us implementing these shorter feedback loops, for example, on pull requests or commits uh, by having lots uh, systematic processes because it's really important to have this systematic process uh, implemented. For example, during the build, the packaging, the deploying uh, part of the pipeline and also automation help us to have more time for deep thinking, for deep thoughtful exploratory testing, where our brains can can use it to tackle the the known, because for tackling the 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 known part, we can use our task automation scripts, because that's basically what we use them for. And there are some things that we can only do with with uh, automation, for example, if we need to measure performance, for example, or load testing, we need to have tools. Uh, we cannot do that without tools. And if we need to quickly check uh, performance regression testing, we need uh, to have tools in place to need to have test automation in place in order to have these short feedback loops. What's nice about um, the way you approach that is it's something that is probably not only specific to test automation or quality assurance, that you can take some of those themes and apply them like yeah. more, more generally. Yeah. I, I think 
many of us think on well maybe because we may have may come from the testing background we think on automation we just focus on test automation but there is much more than that there's automation around the build process there's automation on getting things to production there's automation that can help us switch environments quite easily that can also help us track, let's say, what's the progress, what, what's the status on those environments. And I was mentioning earlier, for example, X-Ray, where you can use the environments concept to track how, how a given environment is in terms of coverage, given the latest results uh, that you obtained for that environment. So there are many aspects where, for sure, automation is really a benefit because if it's systematic things, we we can remove human errors there and win some time because we want to use our our hands and our thoughts where we can actually provide more value. So I would say that automation is one part whenever we think about the, the aspect of DevOps. Uh, for sure, it's one crucial part, but it's actually much more than that. Uh, unfortunately, some th- some teams think, okay, we have a DevOps role or DevOps engineer. What that folk does is basically implement some scripts, automation scripts, and that does some kind of magic. Actually, we don't need magic in software. We need people, everyone within the team, to be able to use magic on a daily basis uh, because... We would, we don't want to hide knowledge. We want to make those things natural. Okay, so automation should be like an, another skill that the team should should be able to take advantage of. And it's not that the conversation around DevOps should be around automation, but for sure, automation plays a plays an important part because we want to be more efficient, and we cannot be efficient if we don't automate some some tasks. Even if we, let's say, I imagine that Zillard, probably you and I know Sophia for sure also did work in the past for some organizations that want a bunch of reports, like report with A, B, C, and D to send to the manager, C, D, and, and F. And another report, well, probably no one will read those reports, but someone would need to assemble them and lose Tons of time assembling something that would probably would not be even read. So the best would be to remove all those reports altogether. But in between, (laughs) because, well, the managers are still there or else you don't have like a job. Eventually, uh, you have to deal with it. In the meantime, eventually you can automate those. So you can focus your attention elsewhere. And let's hope that at least you can make those reports a bit more tailored to you can meanwhile try to figure out the needs of the of the manager of the person that will read those reports and not have let's say a bunch of stuff that nobody cares really about but if you need to do that why not automate it because you don't want to be doing that by hand and i remember that uh, we were talking about tools and there's one tool which is like a silver bullet actually for everything. And you know what that tool is, which tool I'm talking to. It's a born again shell. <laughs> well, I really like, uh, I like Bash uh, a lot. <laughs> but 
I was thinking more on Excel. Everyone does everything with Excel. Excel is like a proxy for everything. And even in some <laughs> in some agile teams, they use Excel for doing stuff. Well, it, it can be something that can help us in having visibility, like a shared sheet or something. If the it can be like a meantime solution for having visibility of some stuff, but probably there are better ways in order to implement those than trying to use a tool that for sure is not the best fit for what you need. So whenever I think about automation, it's not about automa automating things blindly. It's about thinking wisely. Why are we are going to automate? What are the benefits of it? Is anyone going to take advantage of this? Can this be replaced uh, somewhere in time by some something more efficient? Well, I, I just want to take what you said uh, at the end about uh, thinking on what you want to automate. Because uh, from my experience, as you mentioned the reports, for example, what happens uh, frequently is that people just want to automate a process, for example, and want to do a lot of work making this uh, truly automated. And then uh, you just have to ask this question, why? Okay. So that's the most important question that you have to, to, to make when you start to look at something that you want to automate because maybe in the end you don't even need that process or you don't need that report or uh, whatever and you are taking a lot of effort automating it and then you need to maintain it because it's going to, to need some maintenance uh, in the end and uh, you should ask first the question why are we doing this? Why do we need this? And uh, I think that some sometimes this misses. Uh, this is something that is often forgotten when you start automating. Just before passing the ball to Zilla, just one brief aspect is, and probably we'll touch this topic of observability. But we need to see how the team works to understand why what the team is doing, but most of all, why they are doing it. Absolutely. The, the why is a very, very important part here. And then I would even say that maybe we shouldn't talk about automation. We, we might talk about codification. Like, how can I codify this problem? How can I make it in a way easy to modify, easy to repeat, easy to do it again? But when I need to change it, easy to change and do it in a different way. So I think the, the whole codification, virtualization, everything like that, making things more codified, right? Infrastructure as a code and all those kind of aspects in, in DevOps, making us able to automate these things. But still, it's like helping us to be more effective and more efficient again, to do repetitive tasks instead of us. But when many times when we talk, and let me come back again for test automation, there's always a question, what? is better to automate the big complex scenarios and we, we spend hell lot of time on automating them or I just want to automate those small things that speed me up so then I can do the complex thing as a, as a, as a human I can creatively create tons of co uh, complex scenarios with you know augmented again i'm using that word i like that word from sergio augmented with automation or tools so sometimes uh, we overthink automation as 
doing it absolutely automatic on its own and everything and replacing humans and whatever, whatever. But I think the, the line is not as far as that. We need to find the proper solutions that help us to be more efficient and more effective, but keeping in mind that maybe we don't need to automate everything. We have been talking so much about what DevOps is not, but maybe we still owe a response to our audience what DevOps is about. So let's do a roundtable Starting with Sofia, Sergio, and Szilard, what is DevOps about? And uh, keep it short so audience can rem- remember your definition. Okay, so I think that DevOps is about a culture with continuous improvement in its heart, and uh, where visibility, constant, and fast feedback is taken in consideration to improve the system or the software or the service or whatever you are providing, where experimentation and learning is part of the DNA of the team. So you have space to learn and to experiment and therefore to improve and uh, deliver more value. I think that it's about that. So I think first DevOps is about efficiency, but it's also about increasing our own responsibility from ideation up to production. But we are not just increasing efficiency and responsibility. We are also increasing increasing our openness to, to failure. DevOps teams uh, embrace failure because failure exists and there is always room for impro- improvement. DevOps teams aren't scared, scared about failure so much because they implement all the necessary mechanisms, make, making use of automation that we talked about or some other tools to be able to assist them on taking decisions. DevOps is about having the necessary skills and tools within the team to enable fast decisions. That in the end is also about having better knowledge or the necessary means to increase our knowledge. That's why teams not only automate parts of the process, but also they put in place the necessary monitoring and observability kind of capabilities. And they also address operability because they need to be able to operate and react fast the way they want. Operability is important to these teams and relates to the ops part of it. But we also need to think about dev ability, ability to develop well with short feedback loops and fast, tailored to to the value we are for seeking. Dev ability may require ability to quickly spin off environments, uh, to have real-time insights about what's happening in the infrastructure, but but also from a business perspective. Uh, Did I invent this new word, dev ability? Uh, If so, I should probably write a blog uh, about it. If not, well, credits go to the community. All of these are not new ideas. Um, all of these are needs that teams have and should be addressed. Another concept that came to mind d- during a, pri- a previous chat that I have with Ziller is about uh, one, uh, 360 degrees and multi-layer of observability. What is that? It's a bit much more, it's actually much more than monitoring. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it allows us to make make questions at any moment, questions that we have never thought about, 
And it's meant not just for developers, it's also uh, meant for the other team members because I, I want to be able to drill down from a business school and to see how that decomposes into the future features and the usage of those features. But I also want to the um, I also want to do it the other way around to know how certain problems or support tickets are connected back to the business calls. So it's all about connecting business with development and operations and support. And I will now pass the the, the ball to Zillard. Maybe maybe you want also to add a bit on, on top a bit on top of this. Yes, we discussed last time a lot about uh, how important this is, of course, to have monitoring and telemetry in place. So we see that our systems are up and running when we talk about quality, right? So they, they are still in production, maybe also saying shift right. So working well in there, but also we need to understand, were we able to solve the problem? So if we go back to the system thinking, uh, di- sorry, design thinking, did we solve the problem that we identified as a problem worth to be solved? And did we solve the problem in the right way? So for example, if we had a functionality and we, or, or a feature and we had a benefit hypothesis, why do we do this? Are we able to learn if we got that benefit? Do we have this observability good enough that we really see how the end user behaves and is the change in the end user, you know, really driving towards the goal that we wanted? So do we have the business people also, the product management, product owners seeing what they wanted to see? And I would even go up to marketing, right? Do they get what they wanted? Do So do we have all this observability in the product? And I think that's extremely important to see again, building transparency in the system and and having the full visibility, not only in the development phase and activities, but on the business level as well, how the system or solution or service is being used and how to evolve it. And that would, you know, come back to my definition of what what is DevOps. and, And I believe DevOps is about amplifying learning to become more agile, and to be able to react to the needs of the customers, sometimes even before they know they have a need. So that would be that would be my view on that. Thank you. It would be a shame if we didn't have a podcast episode about your 360 observability concept. So consider this an invitation as soon as you have the synopsis and questions handy. Thank you for listening. As usual, we have enclosed the links to the social media profiles of our guests to the show notes. Please take a look. You can also find links to the literature referred in the podcast on the show notes, alongside other interesting educational content. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating on your platform. It means the world to us. Also check out our other episodes for interesting and exciting talks. Finally, before we sign off, I would like to invite you personally to the DevOps conference happening online on March 8th and 9th. The participation is free of charge for attendees. You can find the link to the registration page from where else than in the show notes. Now, let's give our guests an opportunity to introduce themselves. I say now, take care of yourselves and see you in the DevOps conference.
I'm Sergio. I work at the X-Ray team as solution architect and testing advocate. Uh, basically, I try to understand a bit more about testing every single day. I was former developer, former team manager, former... I've been former many things in my previous life, but I've always been like a tester in my art. I'm always seek, seeking for more uh, to improve my understanding so I can help out others. So I'm like a facilitator of knowledge to others and also to myself. I try to learn as much as uh, as I can because only that way... I can help others in the community and in the in, in the X-ray user base. So my name is Sophia, and I work with Atlassian Solutions for more than fifty years. That's a lot of time. I work with them because I really believe they help organizations to collaborate better. And um, now I'm helping our customers and partners uh, to get the most out of X-ray. So I believe that tools are here to help us to deliver a better value. And um, I want to help our customers to achieve that with X-Ray with the best experience possible. So I love to learn and share and um, reach me out if you want to discuss about quality collaboration. That is my favorite topic and um, DevOps, teamwork and Agile. And this is Silart Sale, a Hungarian living in Finland. I used to say that because I think change is extremely important and changing behavior is important. And when you move to a new country, that's a big change. I'm also a tester by heart. No one can take that away from me. I'm really focusing on quality assurance. Started with the technology and throughout my career, I moved to find problems, not only in the technology and the software, but in the way of working in processes and in organizations. And that brought me more to the DevOps area that more brought me to Scaled Agile. I'm a safe SPC working and teaching Scaled Agile framework, uh, but also, you know, other Agile and techniques. And most importantly, I'm trying to make people having a mindset change to, you know, to get quality assurance in their view and uh, DevOps in their view and, you know, all these kind of changes in, in their behavior. Yep, maybe that's me in short. <laughs>